Hi, everyone. I'm Cindy Mooring, the founder and executive chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. And this is The Biz, the Business Integrity School podcast. Here, we talk about applying ethics, integrity, and courageous leadership in business, education, and most importantly, your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real world experience as a senior executive. So if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome, let's get started. I have with me today, Leo McKay, who serves as the Senior Vice President of Ethics and Enterprise Assurance at Lockheed Martin. Welcome, Leo. Morning. Great to see you. Let me just tell everybody a little bit about Leo. He has an incredibly spectacular um, background and we're fortunate to have him here with us today. In his current position, Leo reports to Lockheed Martin's chairman, president, and CEO. He also reports to the audit committee and to the ethics and sustainability committee of the board. He leads the company's internal audit and ethics and compliance functions, and he oversees Lockheed Martin's sustainability efforts to ensure responsible growth and corporate citizenship. In addition to those big responsibilities, Leo also serves as an independent director on two public company boards, Cognizant Technology Solutions and USAA Federal Savings Bank. Leo has had a really exceptional career, um, began with service to our country in the US Navy for 12 years, go Navy. Have to throw that in there because you know I've got kids there too. <laughs> Following that, he served as the vice president and general manager of Bell Helicopter, deputy secretary of the Veterans Association, which was a presidentially appointed position, and senior vice president and chief operating officer at ACS Healthcare Provider Service Solutions before he joined Lockheed Martin about 15 years ago. So you've had a, a really long, spectacular career. Thrilled to have you here, my friend and colleague from the industry, and excited to have Leo share with us some of his insights about business ethics, governance, risk assurance from the corporate side. So Leo, just to set the stage for you before we jump in, I've been interviewing a number of thought leaders and academics about uh, really bringing current this article that was in the Harvard Business Review um, about 25 years ago. It's still very regularly cited in the mainstream media. I don't mean in the faculty sense or in the mm -hmm. academic sense, but it was titled, What's Wrong with Business Ethics? Now it was 25 years ago. And um, what I'm trying to do is, is really get perspectives on how to bring that article current, because I think we've made a ton of progress, both on the academic side and on the corporate side. And then I want to talk to folks about what do the next 25 years look like. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hoping to do then is create this feedback loop. I really want to get your impression and others in, in corporate America as to whether or not the academics have been doing their job to better prepare students for these jobs in the last 25 years. And what do they need to be doing going forward? So let me have you roll the clock back, if you don't mind, just a little bit in your career. And tell me what your experience was like when you first got out of the Navy as Lieutenant Commander back in 97. And what was your experience then with the way business ethics and risk management and governance was understood and practiced in corporate America back then? Yeah, no, they, uh, I was very fortunate. My first corporate experience was with Lockheed Martin and we had Dan Tellup and Norm Augustine who were real sort of, they had put together the, the deal to form Lockheed uh, Martin from Lockheed and Martin Marietta, and and they were both equally 
uh, and foremostly devoted to the practice of business integrity and, and ethics. It is, uh, um, it's remarkable that someone with the title of ethics um, in their job description, and I mean in their title, uh, has always reported to the Lockheed Martin chief executive. I don't know if there's another company that can, can say that. Uh, and uh, for a long time, it was a, um, a vice president of, of ethics and business conduct. And they were the only vice president level who reported to the chief executive. The other reports were, you know, a senior vice presidents, executive vice presidents, and yep, the yep. occasional COO when we, when we had one. And so the company has always had this, um, uh, this focus on, on, on ethics because in a tightly regulated industry where, you know, um, you know, 95% plus of our, of what become our revenue start their life as U.S. government appropriations, you know, there, there's just no, there's no upside, you know, there, there's, there's nothing that can be said to ameliorate a breach of the public trust. Mm -hmm. And so that's always been a, a major part of the way we do business because it's the only feasible way to, to do uh, business. But, but even before that, I like to tell people that, you know, everything I, I really learned about professional conduct, I actually learned in the U.S. Navy. And I, I don't think that's odd because people's first professional experience really does shape them. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the, the Navy, uh, again, and, and they always had this overlay about, you know, if you lie, you, you're very liable to kill somebody, to break something. Um, you know, it's just not, I don't even care if you're honest or not, but you, you cannot, in the breach, on the job, doing the things we do, you, you cannot lie. Too much right. pride, you know, and, right. and you, information gets exchanged all the time, rudder commands, uh, you know, valve settings. When everybody reports you're ready to die at the submarine, you know, you, there can't be any falsehood. When, yeah. when you say the flight deck is ready to receive airplanes, you know, hundreds of people had to do things and then verify that they were done. Nobody has time to check all those things. And when the captain, greens the deck up and the airplanes come in and try to land, they just have trust that everything is right. Or, you know, I was a pilot when I saluted the, the, the catapult officer and somebody hit the button, you know, I was literally betting my life that about, you know, 300 things had been done correctly by 18 and 19 year olds. Yeah. And so it is a very high trust uh, culture where you know, that trust has immediate and very evident uh, and very high stakes um, consequences. Mm -hmm. And so you just, you learn to do business that way. And after a while, it doesn't occur to you to do business any other way. Right, right. And do you think that, that your experience in the, in the Navy when with that sort of trust and leadership and integrity built in, has that really um, influenced and been a part of all of the companies that you've worked had the pleasure of working for after getting out of the navy it, it has and and i will um you know i will i will praise those that have exhibited those and i will uh exert discretion about times when i um uh, i did not see that that kind of uh of ethics and practice and and i i pretty quickly dissociated myself from yeah. from those firms. Yeah. It's a matter, I'll, I'll say this because it's a matter of public record, but uh, you know, when I left ACS two or three years after, um, you know, um, 
after I left there, they had a, a big scandal in terms of stock backdating. It cost them a couple of CFOs, a CEO resigned under a cloud. Um, and, you know, it, it did not come as a shock. I didn't know anything about the particulars, hmm. but, you know, you can sense in the culture right. when there's a, you know, this, this overweening emphasis on performance uh, almost at all costs. And, and it did not surprise me that, that certain, uh, you know, certain things had happened and that were untoward. Are there like two or three things that really stick out to you? Was anything ever said explicitly in a, in a situation like that? It's, a, it's, it's an attention to detail, uh, a focus on discipline and process. And then, and then, you know, what's nice about Lockheed Martin is, you know, you know there's a lot of talk about integrity and ethics mm -hmm. and people get to, um, you know, measure the, 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 the walk with the talk. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the thing that's amazing about that company is we do, uh, you know, regular surveys uh, internally. Yeah. I think for, for students who are going to be joining the workforce to think about asking in an, in an interview, when they're thinking about what company to join, how much does your company really talk about integrity? Give me some examples of, of where ethics is mentioned and, and do you think that, you know, your employees kind of exemplify that? You know, I think in the, particularly with this generation of younger folks that were all out there desperately trying to recruit, they, they, um, the cardinal sin is, is inauthenticity. Um, you know, they, they have fairly, they're fairly tolerant of, of all sorts of things and people and manners and, uh, and, and, and the like, uh, much more tolerant, I think, than, uh, than, than maybe, uh, you know, our generation was or, yeah. or, or predecessor generations. But what they sniff out unerringly is when somebody just is inauthentic. Yes. It just doesn't mean what they say. And, and they don't want to be associated with that. And, right. you know, closely allied point, I think they're also searching for meaning, which is, um, um, you know, a lot of people ask about, you know, ESG issues or sustainability, kind of allied points. It's not directly ethics but it's it's sort of all stitches together in a um in an, in an ethical um perspective or or stance that your company stands for something and that your company does things in a certain way and 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 you're authentic about it mm -hmm. and i think people people value that yeah i think so too what are some other changes that you've seen for the kind of the, the new employees um, joining the workforce in the area of their attention to risk, risk management, ethics, compliance? Well, I, you know, what I think are, are um, you know, the two sort of macro trends I think I've seen in, in industry over the last, one is, is organizational and the other is sort of, um, of educational and, um, you know, one is where I think a lot of um, academic treatments of ethics occur in business schools and law schools, sort of yep. historically. Yeah. I think a lot of that needs to move into, uh, you know, faculties of, of technology, engineering, and science, because yes. I think there's a huge technical overlay to modern civilization. And that, 
you know, impetus or acceleration is not stopping. People talk about digital transformation. Uh, you talk about AI and machine learning right. uh, and the ethics of these things. I think a lot of the very pressing ethical questions about how we live and, 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 and um, the, the meaning of certain things actually now attach very closely to what is technically feasible. You think about privacy issues. The, the other thing, I think, and this is organizationally, and again, you and I have talked about this and, you know, we were at two very, very large companies, you know, Lockheed Martin, which is large and, you know, Walmart, which is spectacularly large. And the, 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 what I've seen as a trend on the organization side is there are issues that reside in the overlay of governance, risk, and compliance. And if you go to one of the big, you know, audit firms, they, they will talk about their GRC practice Right, uh, and they will talk to you about governance, risk, and compliance. Right, and what I've seen happen is in a whereas in a smaller firm, the risk corridors are identified and guarded by some combination of the CFO and the general counsel. Generally. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, in in larger firms, it, you get to a place where, be it because of the overlapping jurisdictions of state and local, or then multiply that with international the regulatory agencies, um, the stringencies of, uh, in, you know, in environmental regulation now and the like, considerations like privacy, uh, that a role is being developed for, uh, you know, another C-suite senior executive who kind of sits, uh, you know, on the same reporting chain with the CFO and the, um, uh, and the general counsel, and they handle these these risk and compliance issues is, is in a job called chief integrity officer uh, and the like, or sometimes they string together, you know, uh, audit, enterprise risk, compliance, but it's this whole phalanx of, of issues. And it, it varies by industry uh, and the like. And a lot of times it, it gets created, the position gets created in the aftermath of a large escape because man, we don't want that to happen again. So we have somebody to look at all of these sort of, um, you know, different uh, data streams and then identify, observe, assess, and then bring that perspective into either executive management or to the board right. to have a senior look at, at a GRC issue. So I, I think, um, you know, for me, operating in the industry I'm in, the, the two things are, you know, the, the heightened salience of, of ethical issues with a technical overlay. Right. And then also this, uh, for large companies, I'd say, you know, uh, Fortune 200, certainly Fortune 100, Fortune 50, that, you know, they have to think very hard about how they organize to understand the relevant risk corridors um, and, and then, you know, communicate that so it's actionable information for the uh, executive management and then the board. Right, because when that information, kind of from my experience, and I'm sure you've, you've seen the same, if it gets too siloed, 
uh, and you've got you know kind of different views of, of of risk and assurance. There's no aligned assurance, and with boards right. being as busy as, as they are, what they want to know is that management's done the homework to dot the i's and cross the t's and figure out if they've got a different view, why, what's causing it, and then what's the aligned view. So being able to kind of come in with that um, comprehensively and in, in sitting between the CFO and the legal, which are going to be looking at big issues of their own, what's the rest of that kind of enterprise-wide risk assurance lens and view? I think you and I both know this, but I, I would love it if you could talk a little bit about how how you guys think about it from a, let's say a hiring perspective is, is this, we've built a, a profession and a, a lifetime of, of kind of living within these risk assurance functions. But I think the key word there is assurance in many respects, because I certainly know when I was at Walmart and I know you at Lockheed Martin, we really expect our frontline leaders, right? To be holistic mm -hmm. leaders and to lead um, on these risk related issues. So when Lockheed Martin is looking to hire, let's say some new young frontline engineers or you know other, other frontline leaders, what do you think are three important attributes that Lockheed Martin would want to see in those types of new recruits to understand whether or not they have a grasp of this risk assurance? Well, you know, I think the thing is, um, we expect people to come with a, um, with, um, um, you know, expertise in their chosen uh, discipline. But what we really look for is a mind, a sort of a learning mindset, because, you know, we, we actually will teach, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the approach that we want. Um, you know, and this is not, um, this is just what works for us. If you look at um, the way we produce ethics officers, the people that run our program and conduct ethics investigations, or if you look at the way we do internal audit, what we do is we take um, SMEs, subject matter experts, and people that are, uh, you know, sort of inculcated in the, in the culture. And then we, we train with our own internal uh, program to create an, an internal auditor or an ethics officer that uh, conducts that uh, that job, you know, the, the way we want it conducted. And we, we don't do very much outsourcing, you know, almost no co-sourcing uh, in internal audit, which is uh, for a company our size, that's somewhat unique. Um, when, uh, like an internal audit, what we found is when we co-source, it takes us so long to get the experienced internal auditors, but not, you know, um, you know, up to speed with our, our stuff. We invest so much time and overhead in training them that we, it's not very cost effective. Yeah. So we actually look more for, uh, for potential than for somebody to be fully formed uh, along some of those uh, parameters. Now that the, 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 what we have to fight, the other uh, is the other side of that is, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of times when people will come to us and they're at the mid-career point or they've had significant experience otherwise and we have a hard time valuing that correctly yeah Th that becomes the issue for us yeah is you know fighting an attitude that if you didn't learn to hear well we don't think you learned it right right and that is just not true 
you mentioned, you know, uh, expanding ethics into engineering and, and some of the more mm-hmm. technical disciplines and, and you're spot on because ethical AI is kind of the, the next frontier, one of the next frontiers for ethics generally. So let me, let me ask you if, if I could just for a minute about um, ethical AI, how, how you at Lockheed Martin are kind of wrestling with that issue, but also at say Cognizant, which is a, a, a tech company. I know that's from the board perspective, but and it also affects financial services. So USAA would be there as well from your board perspective. So how are, are both senior management teams and boards dealing with this topic of ethical AI these days? I, I, I'll talk about it from a Lockheed Martin perspective because that one's the most clear in that you know, we have a very important customer to us. The US government overall is our principal customer. And within that DOD is about you know, 70% of, of that is, is uh, DOD. And um, the rest of it is sort of national security affiliated. So um, it helps tremendously when, when DOD speaks and they have put out guidance about the ethics of AI some some uh, attributes that that they are going to commit to engineering and to engineering the systems, and since we build a lot of their systems, you know, by association we will will too. And it, it's around uh, things you might expect about transparency, traceability, right? Explainability. Explainability. Yes. That you that you always have to understand why the AI, um, you know, did what it did. You know, one of the the really interesting things is when you start to unpack the technology. Um, AIs, and, and this is the sort of terminology the way our chief technologist talks about them. He doesn't talk about AI as a field. He talks about AIs as sort of independent instances because, um, you know, an, an artificial intelligence will be different based on what it is, uh, what data it's exposed to. Right. You know, how it learns, uh, you know, it almost, it's not the same, of course, but it's almost like two children, you can take two identical twins, raise them on opposite sides of the world and mm-hmm. what they're exposed to and what habits they're taught, you know, they will be, they will act very differently and their perceptions of what is normal will be very different. Um, and, and then data sets are important, clean data sets and the, and the like. I, I, we're actually in early days and I think we're, everyone's setting out policy, uh, overarching policy the real um, work is going to be in getting to the equivalent of uh, uh, QM, QA, quality management, quality assurance, so that you can build those traits right. into the, um, uh, the individual AIs. And then another dimension with AI is you got machine to machine instruction and learning. Right. And so now you're, you know, it's a it's another generation beyond, and you're trying to assure those same characteristics. It is a first class technical problem. Yeah. Uh, the the ethical principles of which are are fairly are coming pretty clearly into view, um, but how that's going to be mechanized, and more importantly, you know how you're going to assure that in terms of quality management, and then from a you know, from an audit standpoint, an assurance standpoint, right. how you audit those things. Right. So that you can then say, you know, we have a robust QM, QA process. And then my audit teams can go in and say, and it was observed in, right. in the breach in these instances. Now, the, the great thing where technology is actually helping is that with the data analytic tools now, the way you do auditing 
has sort of been flipped on its head. It used to be you would use probability and you would sample, you know, a subset and, and make an inferential conclusion about the general population based on this statistically significant subset of data. What's possible now is the tools are so possible is that you can go and, and examine every instance or every transaction if you're auditing something financially. And what you, what you can do is look for anomalies or a certain set of uh, departures and then go inspect uh, the things that don't look quite as you think they should. So everything is changing you know, sort of simultaneously. And, and just as you get this problem for assurance, you know, that seems to be, that would have been almost too hard to handle for the techniques of 10 or certainly 20 years ago. Yep. You have this evolution in the methodology and the power of the tools that gives you some hope of being able to provide proper assurance and to do the traditional job that you've done. You're gonna do it in wildly different ways yeah. with vastly more powerful tools, right. but you're still gonna provide the assurance uh, in, a, in a traditional sense. And so that, that's exciting. There's, Yeah, in fact, I've even heard there could be jobs in the future called you know, algorithmic auditors. I mean, those who truly just spend their time auditing algorithms to make sure they're not right. biased and, and that's right. very interesting, yeah. Right, because the tool becomes all important because you, right. you just can't have a, a human can't digest that much data. No. But, mm -mm. but the tool can, but the, so the tool, it's critically right that the, the important that the tool is right. Yeah. So it's a, it's just a, it's a brave new world. And, Definitely. um, uh, you know, we're, we're a lot farther into it than I think people realize. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I want to wrap up here by asking you just some fun questions about books and podcasts and movie series you may have been watching recently, either just good resources or something that's a, a, a good release, given how much time we're all spending cooped up in our houses with COVID right now. So yeah. what have you, uh, and I'd love it if they ha all had an ethical dilemma to them in some way, shape or form, but what yeah. do you think is the best book you've read in the last few months? Well, I'm reading something uh by peter frankopan called the silk roads and it's a it's a it's a world history where um you know what he's um what he's uh you know really talking about is that the west and the east didn't evolve insulated from each other and they're they're sort of you know much more co-development and the yeah. membrane between them is much more porous it's a, it's a it's a different type of uh history of the west Right. It's kind of dry, but I'd be a dry person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating if you care about those kind of things. That's cool. That's good. Okay. Um, what about podcasts? Do you listen to any podcasts? I, I, I'm going to listen to my first podcast. My goddaughter is uh, Kelly O'Hara. She was a member, a longtime member of the women's national team in soccer. She's a two time world champion and an Olympic gold medalist. And she has a podcast on women's sports. And so I'm going to listen to uh, her podcast. What um, sport did she? I think it's called W in? Sports. W I'm sorry? Sport. W Sports. W Sports. Women's yeah, sports. Women. And what did she gold medal in in the Olympics? Uh, soccer. In soccer. soccer. So she was on the, oh my gosh. That's uh, huge. The, the 2012 team that won in London. And yeah. The last two World Cup teams that have, have won the world championship. 
Wow. Well, tell her congratulations from me. Yeah. That is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of the Olympics and I hate that they got canceled this year. Hope we see them back in, in 2021. So, okay. What about a movie or a video series? Uh, on Netflix, I watched The Last Kingdom, uh, an Englishman gets killed and he's raised by Vikings. And so for three or four seasons, he alternates between the Vikings and the, um, and the English. This is in the 10th century when Alfred the Great is king of Wessex in England. And um, the big dilemma with him is, you know, does his real allegiance lie with the Vikings uh, or does it lie with the English? And his actions are guided by, uh, you know, what, what he has sworn to do. Yeah. And, you know, he sort of lays aside question, moral questions of what is good and bad to focus on ethical questions of what is right and wrong. And uh -huh. in his view, once he's given his word, the right thing to do is to abide by his word. And so to watch him struggle with that is um, a, a bit of an ethical dilemma. Yeah, but it is. It's mainly about, you know, Vikings and raiding and sword play. That's fun though. I'll have to yeah. add that one to my list. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for your insights on the way Lockheed Martin kind of views all of these risk assurance issues and, and your own views on this and your wealth of experience. And I appreciate you, my friend and colleague, taking time out to have the conversation with me. So have a good weekend. And it was great to have the conversation with you today. All right. Thank you, Cindy. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Biz, The Business Integrity School. You can find us on YouTube, Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. And you can find us by searching The Biz. That's one word, T-H-E-B-I-S, which stands for The Business Integrity School. Tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.